0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Chronicles of Nania. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jet one and I am joined for the man who this show is named after. He is the resident numbers nerd at Gangrene Nation, and of course, at TurnOnTheJets.com. Mr. Michael Nania, Michael, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not too
2: much. Just, you know, we're in kind of this, you know, not too much going on point here in the off season. so, you, you know, know, definitely just waiting for training camp to get here, and Really pumped for this season, so just counting down the days here, and uh, you know, having fun with the podcast here each week to kind of pass
1: the time. Speaking of countdowns, Michael, recently you did a countdown that was near and dear to my heart because it touched on Jets history, as you know. I am a bit of a Jets historian because of the show that we do with Big John, where we go back and look through New York Jets history. In fact, right now we're doing a series on the career of Wesley Walker, the legendary wide receiver. And what you did was you went through, since the year 2000, and put together a list of the top 11 draft picks that the Jets have had based on value. And you have a whole chart of what comprises that value. So before we get into what goes into that value chart, first tell me why the number 11?
2: Well, to be honest, just when I came up with the idea to do this, there were 11 days to go until the draft, so I thought it would be a good idea to count down You know, from that point and just go through the top 11 guys that the Jets have drafted in this century up until draft day. So that's basically the reason I went with 11, You know, just based on the time that I came up with the idea. But, yeah, to go into the, the scoring system that I use to rank these guys is mostly based on two things, longevity and just the high points with Pro Bowls. All-Pro appearances. So players got 50 points for an All-Pro appearance, 25 points for a Pro Bowl appearance, 0.5 points for each game they played in for the Jets, and one point for each point of approximate value, which is a stat from Pro Football Reference, which kind of, you know, accumulates players' production over the course of their season, their careers, to kind of estimate their value. So players got one point for each point of approximate value that they accumulated with the Jets. So those four things went into the scores that, that I used to rank them up from 11 to 1, the top 11 Jets draft picks of the century.
1: That's a really interesting criteria, and this list... Had some twists and turns that surprised me a little bit, and that's why I'm really looking forward to going through it with you. We'll start at number 11 with one of my all-time favorite Jets. I know he's a personal favorite of Joe Caparoso's as well. Coming in at 11 with 94.5 points, 43 in approximate value at 103 games played. Mr. Jericho Cotri, the wide receiver out of NC State. Of course, a fourth-round pick in the 2004 draft. An outstanding receiver, tough as nails, could catch anything. He was a guy that you want to talk about mid-round gems. You could look him up in the dictionary and he fits that definition. Huge fan of his at NC State. He was the go-to guy for Phillip Rivers there and was thrilled when the Jets got him. And he lived up to every expectation I ever could have had of him. So break him down for me. How did he come in at number 11 on the list and what were some of the things that you found about him?
2: Yeah, so we're ranking these guys here by just their total production. So, you know, draft position isn't taken into account. But with Kotri being the 108th pick in 2004, he could be one of the top, maybe three, maybe the best value that the Jets have had this century in terms of the draft. But in terms of total production, he still comes in at number 11th on this list. But you look at what he's done in his Jets career, what he did in his Jets career, since he had, he had 4,954 receiving yards as a Jet, over 112 regular season and playoff games, and that's the most by Jets receiver since Kotri was drafted in 2004, and it's about 1,500 more yards than the second-ranked Jet over that span, which would be Lavernius Coles, who will also appear on this list a few spots higher, so Cottry basically, the Jets haven't had a wide receiver come close to producing as much as he did since they drafted him, so Yeah, hopefully with the, you know, the receivers that the Jets have now, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunez, hopefully they can carve out the same kind of longevity that Khatri did with the Jets because the Jets really have not had a receiver come. I mean, you've seen Peaks with Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall, Coles as well, but in terms of just the longevity and consistency that Kotri brought to the table, you haven't seen that from a Jets wide receiver since they had Kotri, and he had some great high points, too. From 2006 to seven, including the playoffs, Khatri collected 2,191 receiving yards, and that was 10th in the entire NFL over that span, and the only other receivers over that span to beat Kotri's marks in both total receiving yards and yards per target, which Khatri did put up a really solid 8.43 yards per target average over that two-year span. The only other receivers to beat Kotri in both of those categories were Larry Fitzgerald, Chad Johnson, and Reggie Wayne, over that span from 2006 to seven, so yeah, definitely he's just the model of kind of the value you hope to get as a best case scenario on day three of the draft. So you know, hopefully, Quincy, like I said, Quincy Noon Robbie Anderson can maybe match the longevity that. Uh, jericho katri gave them but you know he's definitely uh, he comes in at 11th on this list in terms of his total production but in terms of value like i said definitely one of the best value picks the jets have ever made
0: while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep sunday scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners bo schmidt and mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted.
1: Let's go through some of the nerdier parts of this, Michael. Some really interesting numbers here, not just in the regular season, but playoff numbers, too.
2: Yeah, so Coffrey is second on the Jets' all-time list in playoff receiving yards. He picked up 440 yards in nine playoff games for the Jets, which places him behind only you know, the guy you mentioned earlier that you're looking at right now. Wesley Walker is the Jets' all-time leader in playoff receiving yards, who had 486 in seven games, and in addition, Cottery's five playoff victories with the Jets is the most by wide receiver in team history, and it's tied with Brandon Moore for the third for third among all players in Jets history.
1: I found this very fascinating too. He shares something in common with another former Jet who was picked in the fourth round.
2: Yeah, so Cottery had one thousand one hundred thirty receiving yards in two thousand seven, and only one Jet has eclipsed that total in a single season since then. Which would be Brandon Marshall, who obviously had that big season in twenty fifteen. He had over fifteen hundred yards that year. And interestingly enough, Marshall and Cottry are ranked first and second in career regular season receiving yards among players drafted in the fourth round since two thousand and four, the year Cottry, uh, the year Cotry was drafted. So those two guys, two guys who you know Cottry was a Jet, Marshall spent a, had his career year at the Jets twenty fifteen. The top two fourth round receivers in terms of receiving yards over the past fifteen years. So. It's it's just a coincidence that, you know, the two leaders in single season receiving yards for the Jets over the past fifteen years are also the two best uh two leaders in receiving yards among fourth rounders over that span.
1: And Cotri is the Jets leading receiver by a pretty wide margin since being drafted, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. So like I mentioned, he has over almost five thousand yards as a Jet over his one hundred and twelve regular season and playoff games, and that's the most since he was drafted almost fifteen hundred yards ahead. Of Lavernius Cole's, who's second over that span,
1: and he's part of a pretty elite group of players since 2000 in terms of yards per reception, yards per punt return, and yards per kick return.
2: Yeah, so Cottery obviously wasn't known for his returning ability. He was, you know, he made his name as a receiver. He was a huge playmaker in the passing game, but he did bring some pretty good efficiency to the table as a special teams player. So since 2000, only 17 players have owned averages of over nine yards per punt return and 25 yards per kick return, with a minimum of at least 50 punt returns and 20 kick returns. And Coffrey is one of those 17 players uh, since the turn of the century to own uh, those solid averages, both as a punt returner and a kick returner. So, of course, special teams wasn't necessarily his bread and butter. He was, like we said, he's known for all the great things he did for the Jets in the passing game, but he did bring some pretty good efficiency to the table as a special teamer, both in the punt game and the kick return game.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Michael, next up on the list at number 10, a forgotten jet, but a really good player up the middle on defense. And that is Sioni Pauwa, who comes in at number 10 with 107 points, 54 approximate value, and 106 games played. Here's a guy that was picked in the third round of the 2005 draft out of Utah. The reason that he went in the third round is because he was twenty six years old at the time, so this was one of those rare cases where the Jets picked an older prospect and it actually worked out for them. Take me through some of the fun facts with Sione Pua and him ranking in at number ten.
2: Yeah, so at the peak of his career, he was one of the best run stoppers in the game. So from two thousand nine to twenty eleven, in the regular season, Pooh collected a total of ninety five tackles in the run game for two yards or less and no first down and Over that span, that was first in the league among all defensive linemen in the entire NFL and ninth in the league overall. So, you know, over that span, he was one of the best run defenders in the game. And just the longevity and consistency he brought to the table, the the 106 games he played for the Jets in the regular season is seventh among all players that they've drafted since 2000 so no he's just you know like you said he came in at 26 years old so the type of guy that you expect to make an impact right away and have a high floor higher chance of panning out even though the upside might not be there that's what you're sacrificing with the guy who's you know higher up there in age you did expect him to make that impact and he ended up doing it he played his entire career with the jets and was just a solid run stopper and a great presence on that defensive line for a long time.
1: And he played a lot of games, 112 total games. Michael, that's number one for any player the Jets have picked in the third round or later since 2000.
2: Yeah, definitely. So the 112, like you said, the 112 games he played in total over the regular season and the playoffs is the most by a Jet selected by the team in the third round or later since 2000. So he's right up there with Kotri as one of the better later round steals. Obviously, he was taken 88th overall, so in the top 100, but still a third round pick in the later part of the third round so putting him up there with Kotri is one of the better late round steals that the jets have taken since the turn of the century and he's also fifth on the on the jets all-time list in career regular season tackles among defensive linemen with 260 of those and as a guy who's you know like we said primarily a run suffer to be that high on the jets franchise tackles list among defensive linemen is pretty impressive and just is a testament to how active he was in the run game
1: and some pretty solid playoff numbers too yeah, so
2: he was, he played six playoff games with the Jets and he had 21 tackles over those six games, which is, you know, again, pretty active for a guy who played most of his time in the interior of the defensive line, had two tackles for loss in those games, one sack. So, you know, he's a big part of those two Rex Ryan AFC championship runs and appeared in a couple of games earlier in his career before that. So, you know, definitely up there. with is one of the best value picks the Jets have had in the third round. He brought longevity. And at his peak, he was, you know, an elite run stuffer. So it wasn't just the longevity of Pohuha. He had a stretch over his career in which he was doing what he does best at an elite level. So, one of the best value picks that the Jets have made in this century. And in terms of his overall production, too, is able to check in at top 10 on this list.
3: Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams, because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them. Up with all the transfers in college basketball and so much more, you are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. We just talked about two guys that were mid round bargains that the fan base still adores and that ended up producing quite a bit, especially relative to where they were drafted. And now I want to get to another one who fits in this category. A darling of the Jet fan base comes in at number nine. Lavernius Coles, who has 110.5 points on your chart, 58 in approximate value, played 105 games. Let's get into it with him. Picked in the third round, 78th overall out of Florida State. Backstory here, Coles and Peter Warwick went shopping at a clothing store The clerk there was a big fan of Florida State. Ended up giving them a big discount, which is, of course, an NCAA violation. The NCAA found out Coles was more or less made to take the fall. He was dismissed from the team, and Peter Warwick was suspended, but because Peter Warwick was the better player at the time and meant a lot to Florida State's national championship chances, he was only suspended instead of getting kicked off of the team. So Coles started getting a reputation as an off-the-field issue, a guy who had red flags, a problem child, so on and so forth. Developed a chip on his shoulder, too, which would actually serve him well in the NFL. And so he ended up dropping to the third round. Sort of like Ja'Kai Polite, he was thought of as a first-round talent who made it to the third round. And that was part of that legendary 2000 class, which I'm sure we're going to touch on later on in this countdown, Michael. Because several other players from that class appear on this list. Coles picked in the third round and ended up becoming one of the best wide receivers in New York Jets history. In fact, the funny part about it is he put up all these great numbers despite leaving the Jets for a brief period and then coming back. So let's talk about this, Michael. Take me through some of the finer points of Lavernius Coles and why he came in at number nine on this list.
2: Yeah, so like you said, he's one of the most productive receivers in the history of the Jets. So, you know, like you said, he played his first three seasons with the Jets from 2000 to 2002, took a pit stop with the Redskins over the next few years, then came back to the Jets from 2005 to 2008. And in his career, he he lives comfortably near the top of most Jets all-time regular season receiving leaderboards. He's fourth in receptions with 459, fifth in receiving touchdowns, with 37, and fifth in receiving yards with almost 6,000 of those. So, And Coles also had six seasons with at least five receiving touchdowns for the Jets, which is the third most such seasons in franchise history, but behind two legends, Wesley Walker, who had nine, and Don Maynard, who had ten. So, you know, he had some really high peaks with the Jets, some of the highest peaks that we've seen from receivers in the history of this team. And, you know, even though he did take that you know, short stint with the Redskins, he came back, and he was just consistent over the course of his entire career with the Jets over both stints that he spent with the team. So, and yet another late-round steal here. We talked about Kotri and Pauhan, now Coles. So, you know, we're kind of, it's a little sober talking about these guys, since it's been so long, since the Jets have had these late-round hits, you know. We've kind of forgotten that it's possible to get this kind of production at late-round guys, but it is possible. So, you know, hopefully another guy you mentioned came out of Florida and uh, similar to Coles, had those off-field off, off field, you know, question marks that might have been legit, might not have been, but You know, Coles had first-round talent, fell to the later parts of the draft. The Jets got him in the third round, and he turned out to be as talented as people thought he was in spite of those off-field questions. So, you know, hopefully the Jets can get that polite, maybe with some of the other picks they made. But, you know, going through these guys, it's just a reminder of the kind of production that you can get out of these guys in the later rounds if you just draft well.
1: Only one Pro Bowl appearance, that was in Washington. The Jets lost calls to the Washington Redskins. They signed him to an offer sheet, ended up getting a first-round pick out of the deal, which they then packaged up with another first-round pick and a fourth to move up to get Dwayne Robertson, Ooh, boy, do they wish they could have that pick back. But they got Coles back in a trade later on. He was unhappy with the Redskins. That was where he made his one Pro Bowl appearance. And so the Jets shipped Santana Moss to the Redskins for Coles. I think it worked out well for both because Moss went on to have a really nice career with the Redskins, and Coles came back and did great with the Jets. Let's talk a little bit more in depth about what he did when he was here. It's funny, Michael, because you talked about how productive Coles was. He was actually more productive than a guy that was picked number one overall in the draft by the Jets.
2: Yeah, so Coles had a really great season in 2002. He posted over 1,200 yards that season, 1,264. That was 10th in the league that season and that total is also the fifth most receiving yards in a single season in Jets history behind only Don Maynard uh three Don Maynard campaigns and Brandon Marshall's 2015 season and in addition Coles caught 89 passes in that 2002 season that ties in with Keyshawn Johnson's 1999 season for the fourth highest single season reception total in team history and Coles Coles had 91 catches in 2006, and that sits one spot up the list as the third-highest total in team history. So he's got two of the top four single-season reception, uh, two of the top four highest single-season reception totals in Jets history. And Coles, he only made one Pro Bowl in his career, and that was with the Redskins in 2003. But he remains one of only two post-first-round Pro Bowlers that the Jets have drafted since the turn of the century, even though it wasn't with the Jets. The Jets have only drafted two Pro Bowlers after the first round since the turn of the century, and the other one also didn't make his Pro Bowl with the Jets. That was guard Jonathan Goodwin, who the Jets picked in the fifth round of the 2002 draft and made his appearance as a member of the Saints in 2009. And ex- Excluding two returners, so Leon Washington and Justin Miller made the Pro Bowl with the Jets. Excluding those two guys and a fullback, Richie Anderson, the Jets have not had a post-first-round pick make a Pro Bowl for them since they took Mo Lewis 63rd in the third round of the 1991 draft, and he made his third and final Pro Bowl with the Jets in 2000. So, no post first round Jets draft pick who plays a starting offensive or defensive position has made a Pro Bowl for him since Mo Lewis way back in 2000. So, Ronnie Skulls, though, is one of the two Pro Bowlers that they have drafted post first round since 2000, even though it wasn't with them. And, you know, of course, you know, just looking at his production, he was deserving of a, a Pro Bowl appearance at some point along the line with the Jets, even though he didn't get it, but definitely his production has been, just was really good for the Jets for a long time. The high points were great, caught a ton of passes, racked up a ton of yards, and he had a a legendary game, too, back in 2008, Uh, When the Jets had Brett Favre. Coles, he's the last Jet to post three receiving touchdowns and 100 receiving yards in a single game. He caught eight of his 11 targets for 105 yards and three touchdowns in a win over the Cardinals back in 2008, the eventual NFC champion Cardinals that season. Coles, he had all three of his touchdowns during the second quarter of that game, which the Jets scored a still standing franchise record 34 points in that quarter. Brett Favre had six touchdown passes in that game and that was actually the first and only time in Farr's entire career that he had six touchdown passes in the game, and three of those were to Coles. So, you know, definitely had some legendary moments with the Jets, just like that one. And, you know, hopefully the Jets can find some more late-round success with, you know, guys like Coles, Pauha, Khatri in the future. And that's, you know, that's the key to building long-term success, getting value out of those late-round picks. And Coles is just, a, you know, and similar to Pauha and Khatri, just the symbol of what you're hoping to get as a ceiling out of these late-round guys.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Love Lavernius Coles, even though he wasn't known for breakaway speed because he was always catching those tough passes. So many great moments, and he did have really nice speed. He just wasn't that Santana Moss-like burner. I'll never forget that incredible catch he made as a rookie in the Monday Night Miracle. That was the first real moment that Lavernius Coles had as a member of this team in 2000. And then 2002 was the year that he really broke out. Him and Chad Pennington had an incredible chemistry together and they drove that 2002 team that was one of the most exciting runs that this team has ever had. I'm still disappointed that they didn't go further in the playoffs. But they did have one of the biggest victories in the history of the franchise that year. They stomped them Mudhole in Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts and handed him one of the worst losses of his career at home in the playoffs. A magical year. Like I said, wish it would have gone further, but that year established a magical connection, one that they would reprise later on. It wouldn't be as potent, but still something that was well worth watching over the years as a Jets fan. As we move on now to number eight, and we go from the offensive side of the ball back to the defensive side of the ball. This time we move from mid-round bargain to late first-round pick, and I am talking about Brian Thomas, the outside linebacker from University of Alabama-Birmingham. 141.5 141.5 points, 63 approximate value, 157 regular season games played. Pick number 22 overall in the 2002 draft. So, Michael, let's run through this. How did Brian Thomas wind up ranked number eight on your list?
2: Yeah, I think this could be one of the more controversial ones. He never really hit the high points that, you, that I think fans probably hoped out of him uh, after they picked him in the first round back in 2002. But the reason he's this high on the list is just because of the longevity. He's played... He played 150, 157 regular season games with the Jets. That's fourth among all players that they've picked in this century. And just the longevity that he had, playing all 11 seasons of his career with the Jets, he's able to rack up a lot of production. And, you know, even though he didn't hit those high points, he was, he like we said, he did rack up a lot of longevity and just, you know, collect production over a long period of time. So Thomas appeared in all in eleven playoff games for the Jets, and that's the second most playoff appearances by an individual Jet in team history behind only Sean Ellis, who had twelve games, uh, twelve playoff games that he appeared in and The Jets won six of those playoff games that Thomas was in, and that ties him with Ellis for the most playoff wins by an individual in Jets history. And and back to that longevity, including the playoffs, Thomas appeared in 168 games as a member of the Jets. That's the ninth most in team history. So that right there is a primary reason that he's on this list, even though he might have been a little disappointing in terms of not hitting those high points. He's top 10 in team history in games played, so that really helps him out here. He's seventh in most games played for the Jets without ever playing for another team. And third among defensive players behind only Mo Lewis and Kyle Clifton. And the 82 total games that Thomas participated, 82 total wins that Thomas uh, participated in with the Jets ties him with Clifton for third among defensive players behind Mo Lewis and Sean Ellis. So just that longevity, being with the Jets for a long time, consistently playing most of the season and being a part of all those playoff games, those things are what really helped him ascend on this list.
1: And because he played for the Jets for so long, he compiled a lot of stats that put him near the top of most categories for Jet defenders, right?
2: Yeah, so he's near the top of a few franchise defensive leaderboards. He's ninth in team history in sacks with thirty three and a half, ninth in fumble recoveries with six, tenth in total tackles with four hundred forty two, and twelfth in forced fumbles with six of those. So you know, not the most impressive totals. And if we're looking at the fact that you know he played with them eleven seasons, so. Those numbers aren't that great, but that's only an average of about three sacks per season. But, you know, with the longevity that he had, the Jets haven't had that many players who have lasted with them that long. So it, what he brought to the table in terms of how long he's able to stay with the Jets and start for them and produce for them is pretty unprecedented in the history of this team, which is, you know, a little bit sad, but it's just, it's just the fact of, you know, what, how how poorly the Jets have drafted at times throughout their history. So, you know, Brian Thomas might not have hit those peaks, but he did, you know, bring that longevity to the table. And, you know, he he never had an interception in his regular season career, but in his ninth season, he did get his first, and what would wind up being his only career pick, off of Ben Roethlisberger in the second quarter of the 2010 AFC Championship game. And at 31 years and 230 days old, when he made that interception, he became the oldest player In Jets history to make his first career pick. So just a fun fact there with what he did in the 2010 AFC championship game. But yeah, overall, Thomas, it was just the longevity that he brought to the table that makes him one of the better Jets draft picks of the 21st century.
1: A pretty solid pick, no question, especially for number 22 overall in the first round. Never became a star, but I've always said that if you get a guy toward the end of the first round and he becomes a really good player and sees a second contract, that's not a bad pick. The only thing that puts a little bit of a damper on this, Michael, is that a couple picks later at number 24, there was a gentleman that the Baltimore Ravens picked that went on to a slightly better career than Mr. Thomas. You may have heard of him. His name is Ed Reed.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, that, that all, always kind of hurts when, you know, someone more talented goes a few picks after. And we talk about this with the Leonard Williams debate a lot. It, the opposite is kind of true with Leo. You know, people are kind of disappointed with his production sometimes, expecting him to be more dominant. But you look at the rest of that 2015 first round, and especially the guys picked after Leo, there, there aren't really that many names that they missed out on. And you compare him against the rest of the class, and he's still you know, at worst top 10, but could slide in somewhere around 6th where he's picked in that first round. So, you know, with Thomas and Ed Reed, obviously you would have preferred to have Ed Reed instead of Brian Thomas, but you still have to appreciate just the fact that he played 11 years. That's rare. It doesn't matter what spot you pick a guy, even if it's number one, 11 seasons for one team out of a draft pick is, that's way above average and more than you could expect out of anyone you pick at any slot. So, you know, definitely there were higher hopes and Ed Reed kind of you know, he's always going to be attached to the Brian Thomas pick, but the, the longevity that he brought to the table is still pretty rare, especially for someone with Jets.
1: This kind of reminds me a little bit of the Ken O'Brien, Dan Marino thing. Ken O'Brien was a very good quarterback, one of the best in Jets history, three Pro Bowl appearances, even had a winning record against Dan Marino at 6-5 and five for his career, but Dan Marino went on to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So even though O'Brien was a very good pick, he was not the best pick they could have made. And I guess you could make that argument here with Brian Thomas that they should have taken Ed Reed. That said, like you said, Michael, to get a guy at number 22 overall in the draft who's with your team for 11 years and a fairly high-level starter for a significant number of those years, you're winning for sure.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, and both things can be true. You can be disappointed that your team maybe didn't make the right pick, missed out on a much better player, you know, in the case of O'Brien and in the case of Thomas. You can still, both things can be true. You can be disappointed that you missed out on Dan Marino, that you missed out on Ed Reed, but you can still appreciate what those guys brought to the table. Like you said, O'Brien had some great years for the Jets. He was, he's one of the best quarterbacks in their history, definitely. Right up there with Joe Namath and the peak years of Chad Pennington. So you can still appreciate those things. And with Brian Thomas, just like what we've talked about for the past few minutes, just how long he was able to last with the Jets and how rare that is. You can still appreciate those things and be disappointed with missing out on a Hall of Famer at the same time. So it doesn't make these picks a complete miss, but you still can be a little bit disappointed and kind of have those misses attached to the picks.
1: We have those jokes about Calvin Pace coming back as a 95 year old man, but <laughs> Brian Thomas was the original Calvin Pace in that regard. There was the joke every year that they were going to bring back Brian Thomas, and they did a whole bunch of times, as you could tell from his 11 year career. Just to run through his stats again: 442 tackles, 67 tackles for a loss, 40 quarterback hits, 33.5 career sacks, 11 passes defense, six forced fumbles, six fumbles recovered, and then in the playoffs, played 11 games. He had 34 tackles, 8 tackles for a loss, 4 quarterback hits 2 passes defense, 1.5 sacks, 1 forced fumble And the famous interception that you just mentioned Against Ben Roethlisberger in the 2010 AFC Championship game So, a very solid career for Brian Thomas People will call him a compiler But Michael, like you said, a compiler that gives you over a decade of solid production You could do a heck of a lot worse And hopefully... Some of the guys that the Jets end up picking once they get into the back end of the first round, as hopefully, knock on wood, this team continues to improve, end up giving them at least the level of production, durability, and longevity that Brian Thomas gave them at pick number 22 back in 2002. Michael, thank you so much for joining me on part one of this series that we're going to be doing here on the Chronicles of Narnia, going through the 11 best draft picks that the Jets have had since two thousand. 2000 we're going to get into part two next week in the meantime though for people that want to interact with you and want to read your work why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can do that
2: yeah you can follow me on twitter at michael underscore Nania. that's N A N I A. most of my writing is at gangrenation.com and York.com and yeah just going through you know like i said earlier on just when the low point of the offseason here but training camp is coming up next month in june so really excited for that and you know, always keeping it, uh, keeping it active with just, you know, wild stats and stuff, like the like ones we're going over on the show here. So I'm yeah, really excited for this season to come. It's just one of the most, for me, one of the most anticipated seasons with this team in a long time, just with the talent that they have. So I'm really excited for the season start. But those are the main places you can find me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania, gangrenation.com, and Elite Sports New York.
1: Go ahead and follow Michael on Twitter, read his work at Elite Sports New York and GangreenNation.com. Of course, listen to him here at Turn on the Jets Digital with Chronicles of Nania. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnontheJets.com.